BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC. It's a game day edition. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to try and take a positive view of things. Yes, the Hornets have lost three in a row. Yes, they're dealing with a ton of injuries, but there's still a lot to be excited about with regards to Hornets basketball. So we'll preview tonight's game against the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to do a little dunk diagnosis with one of the authors of one of the best dunks in Charlotte history. He's going to give his take on the Miles Bridges dunk from his perspective. And we're going to look at the rookie ladder, the latest one from NBA.com, which I think, I think, is a bit more optimistic about the chances of LaMelo securing the award, even though they still have him in sixth. So I was going to be positive. Stay positive. Today we're talking to Gerald Henderson, eight-year NBA veteran. Spent a lot of that time with Charlotte. Also, you see him on the pre- and post-game show on the Hornets contest on Bally's Sports South. Got to remember to call it Bally's. Have you messed that one up yet, Gerald? I messed it up, I think, a couple of times. I have not, but it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. You are better than me. Ashley Chauvinie, she helps me out, reminds me before every show, because it's, it's hard to do. We've been Fox Sports for so long. Exactly. You get that mental muscle memory. But we appreciate having you come here with us on the Hornets Hivecast. Like I said in the intro, we want to try and keep it a little positive. I know the Hornets are banged up. We will talk about injuries. We'll talk about tonight's game against the Brooklyn Nets. But I want to start on the Rookie of the Year conversation, which I view as a positive because it, it feels like some of the conversation is starting to tilt a little bit more 
towards LaMelo. The latest rookie ladder came out from NBA.com. It still puts LaMelo Ball at number six, but it does reference a straw poll done by Charlotte Observer's own Rick Bunnell. He talked to 12 voters, and quite clearly, LaMelo Ball came out as the number one pick. He got, I think, nine of the 12 first place votes. Obviously, they're talking to the Charlotte Observer, so maybe that tilts the voters a little bit, or you know, who, who knows? Maybe it's too soon to really count in the impact of the absence of LaMelo Ball compared to others, but his draw poll had LaMelo one, Tyrese Halliburton two, and then Anthony Edwards at number three. What is your thought on whether or not LaMelo has done enough to earn Rookie of the Year? A lot of this stuff for Rookie of the Year, obviously there's there's stats involved, and even with a lot of these other awards, you have big time moments from players, and so you know this year with LaMelo, I mean we've seen him not just fill the stat sheet, but just have some some really big moments, some great passes, some great plays. And I think that that kind of stands out with him. Some of these other guys have, have done the same. But, you know, also for him, like I mentioned, some of his statistics are just, you know, staggering with his points. I'm not sure where he stands today, but he was first place in points, rebounds, assists, all of those things amongst rookies. If that's what it is until he comes back, if it remains that, I think that, you know, that stands for something because these guys have a lot of games to catch up in terms of statistics while Lamelo's just kind of sitting there and his, his statistics are not changing. If you stand out that much amongst your peers, I think that stands for something regardless of how many games that you played. I would tend to agree with you. There was two stats with regard to Lamelo that I think they're the focal points. One is the one that seems to determine a lot of Rookie of the Year votes and probably should, and that's points per game. LaMelo Ball is second to Anthony Edwards in that average. Edwards averaging just under 18 points per game. LaMelo averaged just under 16 points per game. So it's a gap. It's a pretty sizable one, quite frankly, in Edwards' favor. But it's not a five-point-per-game gap where it'd be, okay, this would be ridiculous to not give it to Edwards, although he certainly has time to kind of push that further in that direction. The other stat that the article referenced was how many more games LaMelo needs to get back into the chartered waters, as I've liked to call it. The least number of games a rookie has played percentage-wise for his team and still won the award is Patrick Ewing, which is right around 60. And the article referenced that LaMelo only needs to play three more games to get there. I don't think anyone thinks that LaMelo Ball or the Hornets are going to try and rush him back so he can play enough games to placate a couple of voters and win Rookie of the Year. He'll come back if he can and if it's to his and the team's benefit. But I think that kind of shows just how ridiculous the argument is that he shouldn't win it because he hasn't played enough because we're only talking about three games. If Anthony Edwards can't make it so clear-cut that he should be the winner over LaMelo Ball and we're quibbling over three games, then I think we're doing exactly that. I agree. If it's been done before, you certainly need to look at it and consider it. You know, I see the points difference there. But I will say, as I look at the standings uh, this year, when LaMelo went out, Hornets were in fourth place. You know, they're dropping a little bit right now. It's not to say that they can't get back to where they were just a week ago. But the Timberwolves have been down there at the bottom of the Western Conference standings all year. Um, So Anthony Edwards' impact on his team, I do feel like, is less. 
if he were if those points mattered as much as Lamelo's, I think his team would be doing better. That's just my personal opinion. Gerald Henderson, you see him each and every home game on Bally's South pre-game and post-game, breaking down the Hornets' performances, and of course, he's also an eight-year NBA veteran. Coming up next, we're going to talk to him about the dunk. You know which one. And some of his best dunks from his career. That's next, here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cody Zeller knows how to finish an assist. Now you can be a part of one of his biggest plays of the season. Socks are the most under-donated item for those in need, and the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, presented by Haynes, is ready to attack that problem. You can help make socks a priority by donating one pack of new socks or $5 to the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, and all donations will be matched by Haynes and will benefit Roof Above. Head to Hornets.com and search Cody Zeller Sock Drive for more information. Gerald Henderson, my guest today here on the HHC. Gerald, everyone in the NBA still seems to be buzzing about that dunk by Miles Bridges Sunday against the Atlanta Hawks. It's been overwhelmingly positive feedback saying it's dunk of the year, dunk of several years. It was a ridiculous play. The only person I've heard poo-poo it at all has been Skip Bayless, which it's why I'm a little less salty about the rookie ladder, which is normally my you know go-to rant because I'm sitting it for Skip Bayless now. But the dunk, we were in the building. What was your reaction to it? Give me your perspective. Well, we were sitting there, me and Ashley watching the game. You know, sometimes you just sit there and we're I'm I'm there to analyze the game. So I'm watching and got my head on my on my hand just sitting there. It jumped me out of my seat. It really did. And that's that's not a lie. And I tore, I put a little slit in my slacks uh, underneath the desk just from jumping up and hitting something underneath it. I I, I was just taken away. You know, Miles can do that, man. He He's a special athlete. I always considered myself to be one of the high leapers in the NBA. But, I mean, he does he does a lot of stuff that I just couldn't think about doing. And taking off on Capella, you know, pretty much a seven-footer, a guy who's been known to shot, block shots throughout his career with absolutely no fear, and then going chest-to-chest with him and still having some room left on top of him when Capella's on his way down and Miles is throwing it through the hoop. I just think that, you know, he's doing some things that other guys just aren't doing. And we talk so much about him as a dunker. Miles is a hooper. His skills far surpass just his dunking ability. You know, he's shooting the the ball just under uh, 40% from three or right around 40%. He can put it on the floor. He can finish with both hands. He can pass. He's an unselfish player. He gets in there and rebounds and defends. And, you know, he's he's a he's a great piece for the Hornets. But that that dunk, man, I still see highlights of it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a top two, top three dunk of the year. And I think we got two of them. You know, with Terry Rozier's dunk earlier in the season on KD. You know, I saw a post the other day on Instagram. It said the Hornets with another highlight dunk and it was maybe Cody or Caleb Martin's dunk the other night but we you know those highlights continue to come and Miles is right in the front of them I'm with you the Hornets have had quite a few I think that's part of the benefit of having a young team you got a lot of athletes out there who are in the prime of their career and able to make these kinds of plays also we got to figure out how to get Miles the dry cleaning bill so we can get your pants fixed there I think he owes you he definitely owes me. He can afford it, too. You know, <laughs> young fella. You know, and he, he, he's responsible for all of those things. So I, next time I get him on the interview, I'm going to mention that. I appreciate you bringing that up. Got to look out for you. As you mentioned, Miles is much more 
than just a leaper. He's shooting 38.6% from three. That's a better percentage than Devontae Graham, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA right now. His efficiency has gone through the roof, and we've seen now him coming back into the starting lineup out of necessity. The statistics haven't diminished. He's shooting just as well. The only time he really struggled to score was the Laker game where you just added one more guy out off off the lineup with Terry Rozier going to the bench and I would imagine it's just even more of the focus goes on Miles Bridges and eventually a team that's that good defensively like the Lakers if they're focused on you they're going to make life difficult for you and I, I would assume that would be the reason but otherwise I mean he's showing some things about what his future might be if his role is expanded and if he stays right where he is as the first man off the bench, that spark plug, he has been electric for this team. Yeah, it's it's absolutely right. And I feel like on any other team, he may be three-man, starting three-man. You know, it's just the way that this team is shaped up right now. Uh, he comes off the bench, but it doesn't matter to him as much. I'm sure he wants to start, but it doesn't affect his play, like you mentioned. It's his mindset, and we've talked to him in interviews, his mindset is first to defend and rebound so he comes in there with that mindset and I always thought I mentioned this before the season started that Miles is easily a 16 to 17 point scorer and I honestly think that he can do that very easily and that's without doing you know some of these stuff you see Terry Rozier and Devontae doing with their dribbling moves and stuff he can get out and transition take it off the board himself go coast to coast he can get out in transition and, and, and catch it in an advanced pass. Those are all easy things. He should be shooting at least six to seven free throws a game. He's a, what, 80? He's got to be an 85% free throw shooter. You know, you don't see him shoot the mid-range as much, which is fine. The mid-range has kind of disappeared a little bit. He can leave that up to some of the other guys. You know, getting to the basket, finishing with both hands and slashing. And these are all things he doesn't particularly need the basketball for a long amount of time for he can play off of his teammates who are willing to pass it and catch it and get it up on the rim and then like you said 38 percent from three with the hornets full strength he should be able to just sit there and shoot threes uncontested because guys are going to be worried about the other scorers and other playmakers that they have so as his career progresses, you know, at his best, I think he should be a 20-point scorer, 20 points a game scorer. And honestly, you know, it may sound funny, but he, he may be able to do that pretty easily. And if a defender is close enough to run him off the line, we saw what happens when he gets a full head of steam running to the basket. I mentioned uh, when we started this segment, I wanted to ask you about some of your best dunks. I got one in mind for, for my favorite Gerald Henderson moment from your eight-year career, but what in your mind was your best dunk and how would it compare to what Miles Bridges did last Sunday? I'm not sure any of them would compare to that. That was, if, if you're talking about catching a body, if you're talking about dunking on somebody, that would be the clip that you would show them. This is how you do it. I had a couple nice ones. The, the one that I always get sent to me on my social media stuff is the Dwight Howard dunk. I got a pass from Bismack from under the basket. I came right down the lane and took off. And it would have been a pretty nice dunk even without him fouling me, but he stuck his arm out there like in my chest and it elevated me. You'll see that a lot with dunks. So people may not realize when anybody touches you when you're in your air in the air, and typically 
it either boosts you up or it kind of gives you that little pause as you're still moving towards the basket. So that's why some of these dunks look like they do is because you're kind of suspended in air for a little bit. So I got that. It actually halted me where I couldn't touch the rim. So I had to throw it through and got the and one, but I still get hit up about that. You know, I look, I just look at it and I'm just like, man, why didn't somebody tell me to cut my hair? My hairline was so far back and my hair was just out of control. That's the only thing I really think about it. The dunk, I've, dunk, I've, I've gotten a lot of guys in my life, but I just, I look at my hair and I'm just like, goodness, where were my friends? <laughs> that's awesome. That's, uh, that's the one I had in mind too. Although I was focused on, uh, man, must be fun to be able to fly but you're focused on the hairline but hey i thought it looked good one of the all-time best and gets added to uh, charlotte lore this latest one for miles bridges maybe going right to the top of the list all right it is a game day edition of the hornet Tivecast. coming up next we'll talk to gerald henderson eight-year nba veteran about tonight's game against the brooklyn nets Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Be there Sunday, April 18th at 7 p.m. when the Hornets host Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Sam Farber and Gerald Henderson. You hear his analysis on Bally's South pre and post game, and he is with us here today on the Hornets Hivecast. Gerald, uh, the Hornets taking on Brooklyn tonight. The Nets are a total mystery in terms of who might be playing. They caught some flack from some national media members the other day for resting, benching, whatever, uh, electing not to play due to injury. Several players, including Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant, and they're lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. If they're at full strength, they're clearly one of the most talented teams in the NBA, but even benching those all-stars, and one case current all-world player, their starting lineup had Jeff Green, Joe Harris, Landry Shamit, DeAndre Jordan, and Kyrie Irving. That's about 45, 50 years worth of frontline NBA starting experience and uh, a couple players in their prime that have good shooting strokes in Shamit and Harris, that's a pretty formidable lineup, and the Hornets are still extremely banged up. This being such a mystery, what are your thoughts going into the game against Brooklyn? A mystery on who they'll have available, and maybe, or hopefully, who the Hornets might be able to get back. Well, I'll say this, just to start, is there's been tons of talk about this year's schedule, you know, amongst owners, amongst coaches now, and players. And this year is a extremely difficult year they've decreased the games but the frequency of these games and now the overall time that these guys got to play these games it's increased the amount that these coaches need to worry about the health of their players so I was always a guy that I was going to play like I I wasn't a rest guy I kind of come from that era of if you can get out there and run around if if you can do it go you know, I never, there's there's not many times that I just sat out a game and didn't try to play. The NBA has drastically changed. It's not just about getting out there and playing. It's about kind of the long haul. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure with the Brooklyn Nets, they're, they're focused on the championship. So every game, if the, if the NBA wanted to create this schedule like this, you know, they got to do the best thing for 
for their franchise. So I, I'm not opposed to them having guys sit out. You know, they, they've been delivered a schedule that's not normal. So now they have to do some things that everyone's not going to like, right, to protect themselves. But, you know, so you never know who they're going to have out there. No matter who they play, they're still going to have a strong team. You put Kyrie Irving out there with Blake Griffin, okay, good chance you're going to win. I don't care who else is, else is out on the court. Even without a Kyrie Irving, they're still a really good team. Like you mentioned, some of the other guys they have. The Hornets clearly have been hit with some injuries. And we've we've seen maybe in the short term, just a couple games, they've been able to withstand it. But long term here, we've seen now they're struggling to score the basketball. They played some really good defensive games, I thought. But now, you know, we're seeing... 16, 18 point quarters. They're still down seven or eight, but uh, you know, in a chance to win. But they're not getting. They're not getting those 30 point quarters that we've seen when they're at full strength. Because when you miss a Rozier, Lamelo, who's making plays and scoring, and then Gordon Hayward, obviously his 20 points, he's going to give you a bunch of buckets that you just may not get with this group that's that's here now. So you know, their their biggest bet is to play quickly. Right, they need to play some good defense, but they got to get the ball up the floor quicker. I, I, I was watching it last night at the desk and just saying, man, like the second somebody was grabbing a rebound, like go, you got to get the other team off balance and create just some uncertainty down there, as opposed to you know playing against a set defense where they're not going to be as good. So uh, I'm sure Coach Borrego is talking with them about that. Their assists are down, and that could be because you have you know, some of your, your best players out who are shot makers, I think a lot has to do with pace and then not moving the ball around like they have in the past. So they'll play this Brooklyn team. And I think they need to get back to their speed, you know, their pace. Well, JB touched on that, I think, either last game or the game before he was asked about the pace of play. And he looked at it kind of as a, a double-edged sword that, you know, if you, you speed it up, you're basically put, exposing yourself even more on defense, where which has been the focal point has actually been, I think, pretty good the last handful of games. The Hornets have, have made that a point of emphasis. What is your thought on that, the potential sacrifice of some of the energy that you have to have defensively? Because the Hornets, they're struggling to get to 100 points. So if you let someone score based off pace of play 110, it's going to be a tough day. It's a tough thing to juggle. I would rely on the Hornets' defense right now before I rely on the offense. So you got to get the ball up the floor, see how many points you can score, but then have a real emphasis on everybody getting back into the paint and stopping people from getting into your paint and then, you know, run out to shooters. I think that's your best bet. It's going to be difficult against a Brooklyn team at their full strength or even with the guys that are playing now because they can shoot the three so well. But I just don't think you can have these these slower, bogged-down games, low-scoring, because it just it puts too much pressure on you at the end of the game when you're not in a rhythm. You know, you played the whole game, and you don't know who to give the ball to. You know, you're trying to figure out how to score, and you haven't scored all game. So I, I would much rather play a faster-paced game where we can just blow it out and say, hey, everybody get back on defense no matter how quick we play. Everybody just get back. I don't care who you're guarding. Just don't give up our rim. Well, hopefully, no matter what, the Hornets get some good news on the health front because that would be a huge boost if they were able to get a 
P.J. Washington or a Malik Monk back in the near future just to relieve some of that pressure that's been put on Terry Rozier with all the focus of the defense and open things up a little bit more. But either way, they'll keep on grinding. They've got a six-game cushion for a play-in position, and that was goal number one at the start of the season. Gerald Henderson, see his fine work on Bally's South, eight-year NBA veteran, and getting close to an eight-time guest now here on Hornets Hivecast. We'll keep working towards it. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Sam, thanks for having me, man. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. We will have our review edition of the Hornets Hivecast tomorrow, breaking down tonight's game against the Brooklyn Nets. Till next time, for everyone here with the Hornets Hivecast, I'm Sam Farber, saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us today, and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.